If you're watching, don't adjust your set. This is the color of my shirt, and I'm not Pastor Josh. I'm Pastor Tim. Uh, Pastor Josh is out uh, in the uh, sanctuary with the adults doing big church, and I'm back here with the youth tonight, which is uh, probably for most of you the first time that I've ever had the opportunity uh, to speak uh, directly to you other than in uh, our Sunday morning services, so I'm, I'm really excited about this, okay? And uh, hopefully you'll ask me back, you'll let me to uh, come back some other time in, in the future, and I, I would love to do that. And let me tell you a couple of things. Uh, first of all, I want you to know that I think each of you are extraordinarily blessed, uh, not because I'm your pastor, but because Josh McDaniel is your youth minister. And uh, he is trustworthy. Uh, if there's an issue in your life, you can talk to Pastor Josh. If, if there's a question you have about the Bible or about your spiritual life, he is knowledgeable. And uh, I'm a bit jealous. It's something I did not have as a young person. And uh, I suspect most of you here tonight are somewhere between 13 and 17 or 18, somewhere in that. And let me tell you, uh, beginning in that time frame in, in my high school years, uh, I was a very confused young man. Uh, I became a very disillusioned, bitter young man eventually, and uh, uh, it led me down a path that I did not need to, to go. I, I had a bad attitude and made some bad decisions, and a lot of it was because of the, the things that I saw in church that, that disturbed me and angered me and uh, the trustworthiness and the, the accuracy of what I was hearing from uh, pulpits each and every week. And so... Uh, uh, you're blessed to, to have Pastor Josh, and I hope you'll think you're blessed to have me. If, if nothing else, day in and day out, we are going to tell you the truth. Uh, you may not like it at that particular moment, but uh, the truth will endure, and the way you feel about it will pass. Okay, So just uh, remember that. Now, something that you did not know about me is that I am a former high school teacher. I taught in a public high school for three years. And so uh, giving out papers is kind of a, a hobby of mine. And giving pop quizzes was one of the fa my favorite things to do as a high school teacher. I love to walk in and tell people, take out a sheet of paper, please. And their eyes would get real big and, and you know, they'd start sweating because they had no clue what was coming next. But I want to do something with you tonight. And there's a point. Now, if you'll turn over the top copy of what we handed to you, it should say, at the top, should say Biblical Knowledge, Spiritual Aptitude Survey. Don't turn the other sheet over yet. Just, there, there should be a, a set of 15 questions, and then a set of 6 questions. And we're going to walk through it just for a few minutes. It, it shouldn't take us but a minute. Th those first 15 questions are yes or no answers, okay? Uh, I would appreciate it if you, you wouldn't let people see your answers. You're not going to be asked what your answer is. You're not going to turn your papers in. You can tear the paper up when we're finished. You can fold it up, put it in your pocket. This is for you, okay? This is for you and you alone. And there's not a pass or fail uh, in terms of this. But if you will, if, does everybody have a pen? And you can follow along at home if you're watching. But I want to ask you this question first. Do you believe in God? That's a simple yes or no. If you would... Put yes, or why, or no, or in. All right, second question. Do you believe there's only one God? 
And these aren't trick questions. I, they're, they're just very straightforward. Do you believe there's only one God? Third question. Do you believe that this God is revealed accurately or truthfully in the Bible? Does the Bible tell us the right story about the right God is the question. Question four. Do you believe that the Bible is entirely trustworthy? Is it true? Do you believe that the Heavenly Father is God? Do you believe that Jesus is God? Do you believe that the Holy Spirit is God? Again, just yes or no. Do you believe that Jesus was born of the Virgin Mary? Do you believe that Jesus lived a sinless life? Do you believe that Jesus died on the cross? Do you believe that Jesus rose from the dead? Do you believe that this Jesus will one day return to raise the dead, judge his enemies, and complete his promised kingdom? That's kind of a complicated question, I know. Do you believe that Jesus is the only way of salvation? Do you believe that Jesus will save, forgive the sins of any and all who believe in Him? Do you believe you'll go to heaven when you die? Alright. Everybody finished? Now let me say something to you. Those are, are basic questions that deal with essential biblical truth, okay? And the church for 2,000 years would say that the correct answer to each of those questions is yes. In other words, the right answer, biblically speaking, to each of those 15 questions is yes. And if you answered yes, and remember, I'm not going to look at your paper, I'm not, you know, you're not, this is for you and you alone. But if you answered yes to each of those questions, I would say that you're fairly, you're reasonably biblical, have a fair amount of biblical knowledge. That you're, you're pretty biblically sharp. That's good. But here's the thing. There are people in hell right now that would say yes to every one of those questions. There are people that are lost, they're not Christians, that would say yes to every one of those questions. So let's press on a little further. Let's go to the second, what I call the moral inventory. The first question is a yes or no. Are you a good person? Then I'll follow that up with, have you ever said something that wasn't true? That's, again, yes or no. Have you ever wanted something that didn't belong to you? Have you ever taken something that didn't belong to you? Have you ever been angry with anyone? All those were yes and no questions. And a final question. What would you say if you stood before the door of heaven and someone asked you, this is not a yes or no question, you can just think about it. Why should I let you enter heaven? What would your answer be? Why, why do I deserve to enter into heaven? It's a very, very 
important question. And even the people, even people that can answer all those questions with biblical clarity and uh, biblically based answers, many times they are not still Christians. And so I want to talk to you about what I think is fundamental to being a believer. If you'll open your Bibles, if you've got a Bible, open it to the Gospel of John chapter 3. Just hold on to those papers. We're going to come back to them in just a moment. The Gospel of John chapter 3. And this is a, a kind of a, a dialogue between Jesus and a very religious man. Uh, what we might call a good man, okay? Uh, I asked you the question a minute ago. Are you a good person? If you had asked this man, Nicodemus, as he's identified here in this text, if he was a good man, I think he would say yes. I'm fa in fact, I am among the best of men. And quite possibly, if you ask him, have you ever said anything that wasn't true? I don't know how he would answer that. But let me ask you this. If I ask you, have you ever said anything that's not true? And you said, I have. I have. What does that make you? Makes you a liar. Okay? If I ask you the question, have you ever wanted something that didn't belong to you? Well, again, the Bible says that's a sin. That's coveting. And then what if you take something that didn't belong to you? Even if it's just your little brother taking away a toy, what does that make you? A thief, yeah. Have you ever been angry with anyone? Again, the Bible equates that with murder. You say, well, I'd never, I'd never murder anybody. Well, but Jesus said, well, if you're angry with someone, that is the equivalent of murder. And so, the issue is this. There are no good people. I'm not a good person. Okay? And there are none among us that are good people. And the reality, as the Bible presents it about each of us, is that we have all sinned and we fall short of the glory of God. And that the judge, just penalty for that is eternal punishment in a place identified as hell. And so we can know a lot of stuff about God in the Bible. We, we, can, we can pass a test about the Bible. But the question is, have we been born again? And it's a very confusing subject. I will, I will admit that to you, or it can be. So let's look at how Jesus defines this absolutely crucial issue. John chapter 3, verse 1. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. And Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old. Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. 
That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear it sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? And Jesus answered him, are you the teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Let's pray as we start. Father, once again... Thank you for your word, for your truth. You have revealed yourself to us, not just so that we know a lot of facts about you, but you've revealed yourself to us so that we may know you as our Savior and as our Lord, that we may have our sins forgiven. Lord, I pray that everyone under the sound of my voice here tonight, Lord, that they would know what it is to be born of the Spirit of God, to be uh, renewed, to, to, to be uh, saved by your grace. And Lord, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus says something here that uh, is just absolutely essential. And he says it to each and every person. And of course, he says it directly to this very religious man. He says that you and I, we must be born again. Now, I have to tell you, that's, that's very strange. That, that, that is, what in the world are, are we talking about here? And if this man who was probably 30 years old, maybe 40 years old, he, he was a fully grown, fully mature man, he had, he had studied religion his whole life, if he's confused by it, then, then, then where in the world does that leave us here at North Clay Baptist Church. How can we understand what Jesus means? But Jesus said it's absolutely essential. It's absolutely necessary. So if Jesus said it was necessary, then what do we need to do? We need to be diligent to understand it. So Jesus insisted upon the new birth. This man uh, comes at the right time, right attitude, right person. He comes to Jesus with his questions. I mentioned earlier, you're very blessed to have uh, Pastor Josh. I mean, he, he, is, he is rock solid. He, he, he is faithful. Uh, you know, he's going to come to your side if you, if you need him. But, you know, you, you can be associated with Josh and, 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 you know, you can ask him all the right questions. But still not be born again. Still not know what it is to actually know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And so Jesus, when ask this question, and notice how this man comes to him. Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher from God. Well, that's good. He's recognized something that's true about Jesus, and he recognizes that God is doing some really spectacular things through Jesus Christ. So he, is, uh, uh, he flatters Jesus by what he says. He's very respectful regarding the Lord Jesus. Notice what Jesus says to him. Look at verse 3. 
Truly, truly. And when you see something like that, when I was growing up, we used what's called a King James translation of the Bible. And in that King James version, it said, Verily, verily. That sounds very sophisticated, doesn't it? Sounds a little more sophisticated than truly, truly. But what is Jesus saying? You really need to get this. You really need to, this, this, this is important. And so he says to this man who is very religious, he is very respected. In fact, in this text, Jesus calls him the teacher of Israel. Not a teacher, but the big guy. You're, you're important. I, I know that you know a lot of stuff. And Jesus says, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, I have said for a number of years that what this means is, is twofold. If you are not born again, then you will not go to heaven and you will actually go to hell. So that's a big deal. That's very important. But there's a second aspect, and, and it's very closely tied to that, that first thing, is you don't understand the reality of the presence of the kingdom right now, the reality of the authority of its king, or the, the relevance, the validity of the message of the kingdom. Unless you're born again, you, 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 can, you can answer yes to all 15 questions. You can say, yeah, I, I agree with those things. I've heard about them since I was a very small child. and I'm, I'm, I'm good with those things. But you can still not get it. I'll say it that way. You can still be outside of the kingdom. So what, what does he mean? What does he mean that you must be born again? Well, let's press it a little further. Now, Nicodemus asked Jesus a couple of questions. How can a man be born when he is old? And then, and maybe he was being a little cynical, a little smart alecky, I don't know. Some people divide. Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And so uh, the crucial question then is how? If I must, how? Does that, does that make sense? If I tell you you must do something, I mean, it's, it's absolutely essential. You know, if you're, if you're on an airplane and something happens to that plane, they, they give you these instructions that these actual air masks come down. And, you know, you put it on your face. So that's necessary, and you need to know, well, how do I do it? How, how does it work, and how do I get it on my face so I don't suffocate in this airplane? So how is it that I can be born again? And so Jesus is going to answer it, but it's very difficult to even understand what Jesus means by what he says, okay? Look at verse 5. Again, truly, truly, this is very important. Unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. So on one hand, he says you can't see it, which I've mentioned that. On the other hand, what? You can't enter it. Okay? Two, two related concepts. You, you can't enter what you can't see. And to enter or see, you must be born again. And Jesus speaks in answering the how that it is a birth of water and spirit. Now, that, that was always, 
I can remember as a young man, go, what, in the, what does he mean? Now, my first thought as I began to try to study the passage, that you must be born naturally to be a human being because what happens when a child is born? That the water precedes the birth. They call it the water breaking. And so you have to have a natural birth, be born physically, but you have to have a spiritual birth. That's a rebirth. And there's some validity to that and actually some truth to it, but I don't think that's what Jesus means here. When he's speaking of the water, it is a symbol for the Word of God. That you must be born of Word and Spirit. And he, then he, So having said that, and we're going to come back to it, I'm just going to leave that kind of hanging there, okay? So you must be born again. Well, how does it happen? Well, the first part of the answer is Jesus says what? It's associated with the water and spirit or word and spirit, okay? And so he goes on then and says, verse 6, what's born of flesh is flesh, okay? You know, again, we're, we're, we're born as human beings and we're human beings because of that birth. But then he says, that which is born of spirit is spirit. And so there's something that is transformed, that's changed about this person that is born again, and it is spiritual. It's not physical, it's spiritual. It's, it's unseen in a lot of ways, but it's very, uh, very uh, real. And here's, then Jesus kind of goes back off some things that are strange to us. Look at verse 7. Don't marvel, don't just, you know, don't just get all caught up that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear it sound, but you do not where it comes from or where it goes. Now, let's imagine that uh, uh, we took a little trip down to the ocean, okay? And I brought a sailboat, okay? And I said, we're going to go sailing. Now, what is absolutely necessary to make that sailboat go across the water? Now, can I get on, I don't have my iPhone with me, but if I had my iPhone with me, could I, could I make an appointment and say, I'm going to be at the beach uh, next Tuesday at 2 p.m., and I'd like to make an appointment with the wind, and I would like to blow, to blow from east to west at 20 miles an hour so I can sail my boat. Is there something I can do to make the wind blow at the time I want it to blow to make my sailboat sail? There's not. I mean, it's... Now, if I want to sail, though, what do I have to do? I have to go to the water. I have to get the sail up. Now, do what? Get the boat in the water, right, and get the sail up. Now, how will I know if the wind is blowing? What? I'll feel it. The sail will get big and the boat starts moving. Now, do I have to guess that the wind is move, moving? No, I, I can know that the wind is moving. But I can't make an appointment. I can't, I can't really do anything to make it blow. It, in a sense, has its mind, a mind of its own, right? But I can know when it's blowing and I can utilize it, I can capture its force, its power, by getting my sail up. 
Okay? Does that, does that make sense? And Jesus says, now here's the hard part. Y'all get that, right? You understand, hey, if you're going to sail, you've got to have a boat, you've got to have a sail, you've got to have the wind. That's easy, right? How in the world does that relate to being born again? Now, Jesus is not, not trying to be silly here. He's, he's not just trying to, uh, let me see if I can get rid of this guy. I'm tired, you know, it's late at night, he came at night. Okay, I, I just, you know, I'm going to tell him some fanciful story, and maybe he'll go away and leave me alone. We know that's not the case. He's saying something that is very, very important to us. That, that, that is a picture, a picture of what was the question? How to be born again? He's explaining that. That, that as it's, it's like the wind blowing and doing its work. That is the way the Spirit comes and goes. It comes and you know it is working because what you see or you feel its effect. I can, I can go outside on any day. And uh, in fact, I don't even have to go outside. I can look through the windows of the church and I can tell you if the wind is blowing or not. How can I do that? I see where the leaves are blowing or maybe a, piece, a paper plate or something blowing across the parking lot. But I can see its effect. So if we must be born again and it's a work of the Spirit, right? But I can't make an appointment to say, all right, Spirit, I want to be born again. I want to, you to blow on me to inflate my spiritual sails because I can sail into the kingdom of God. Then where does that leave us? Does that leave us just, well, if there's nothing I can do, there's nothing I can do. I'll just kind of sit around and hope and wish and maybe it'll happen for me. If it doesn't, so be it. I'll just move on through life. Well, I don't think it's that enigmatic. I don't think it's that uh, strange. And the thing is that God has given us, and we alluded to it a moment ago, He's given us that which we need to raise our sails, so to speak. Namely what? The Word of God. You've got to be born of what? Water, Spirit. The, the, the Bible itself is spiritual. Okay? And as you study and as you hear it, such as I'm teaching it tonight, and Pastor Josh teaches it week in and week out, you, you are, you're hearing this spiritual word, and in a sense you're raising the sails in your life so that the Spirit will carry you along to this new birth, to this new birth experience. And so let's talk about the experience of the new birth. And, and again, why is it necessary? Well, it's necessary because you're spiritually dead. Ephesians chapter 2, Paul outlines the condition of the unbelieving person. He says, you are dead in your trespasses and sin. He's speaking to Christians. He says, you actually were. But I'm saying to the unbeliever, you are dead. Now, how many things do dead people do? Nothing. Yeah, they don't do anything. So if you're spiritually dead, there's really nothing you can do. And the great illustration of this is in John's Gospel in chapter 11 where Jesus does what? He raises a man named Lazarus from the dead. He calls Lazarus' name while he's in the tomb. 
and says what, Lazarus? You come out. And so, did Lazarus stay in the tomb? No. The Word of God, the Word of Jesus, brought life. The Spirit worked, gave Lazarus life, and what did he do? He did what living people did. He walked out of the tomb and said, get me out of these grave cloths. I don't, want to, I don't want to act like a dead person anymore. I'm going to act like a live person. And so that, that kind of informs us as to what, what we're, we're getting closer now. What does it mean to be born again? Why do we have to be born again? Well, we need to be born again. Jesus said we needed to. And because the Bible characterizes our unbelieving state as that of spiritual death. And so when we are born again, and here, here's... I like to tell people sometimes, this is why nobody likes me very much, okay? And this is one of those reasons nobody likes me very much. Because a lot of youth directors and pastors are going to tell you, this is how you can be born again. Bow your head, close your eyes, and pray after me. And while well-meaning, basically that's a lie. I hate to tell you that. that. That what must happen for us to do what God commands, namely repent and believe, we must for, first be what? Born again. We have to be born again. Something has to happen in us to give us a spiritual heartbeat, to give us spiritual life. The Spirit of God must bring life where there's actually death. And so... The new birth is the cause of our repenting and believing. So how do you know if you've been born again? You repent and believe. Okay? You repent and believe. You don't, and you'll hear it from pulpits all over the place, that if you'll repent and believe, you'll be born again. And I think that's exactly wrong. And I think that's why churches and people are such a mess. They don't get it right. God must so work in you that you will genuinely repent of your sins, that is, turn, be fundamentally changed, and that you will place your entire being in the care of the Lord Jesus Christ. You'll place yourself under His authority. We're going to talk Sunday about a very difficult passage where Jesus calls upon individuals to deny themselves and to take up their cross, to, to make a choice. And I'm going to, you listen, I'm going to tie it back to this passage. Uh, but I'm going to leave that hanging for right now. Okay. So, the new birth is the cause of our responding affirmatively, of saying yes to the Lord Jesus Christ. And when we do, it affects our intellect, our will, and our affections. Now, if you said yes to all these questions, you've got the intellectual part down for the most part. Okay? You, you, you understand what you need to know to be saved. But here's the thing. Have you been born again so that your will is changed? In other words, what you want to do. Now here's the thing. People always do what they want to do. Now I'm going to go to the extreme. I've got my gun here in my back pocket with me tonight. And I'm going to come around to you and you got any money on you? Well, you won't work. Anybody who's got money here tonight? Okay, right there. I know you got money. All right. I'm going to come. I'm going to put my gun 
right between your eyes, right here, okay? And I'm going to ask you politely, give me your money. Now, what are you going to do? Because that's what you want to do, right? Yes, it is. It's what you want to do. You want to not get shot, and you want to do what I've said to keep from getting shot. It's what you want to do. You, you have made a choice. You've exercised your will, and you've done what you wanted to do. Now, that's a bit silly and a bit extreme, but, but my, my point is this. You will always choose to sin apart from the work of the Spirit in your life. That is your choice. You, you, that's what you like to do. That's what brings you pleasure and satisfaction. And so something must but fundamentally change that you decide, I don't think sin's that great anymore. I, I, I won't, I'm, I'm going to change my attitude and my actions. I, I don't want to lie anymore. I don't want to take things that don't belong to me. I don't want to be involved sexually before I'm married. Something about your will has to change. And then the last thing is your affections, that which you desire. All of that changes. How, how do you know you've been born again? Well, repenting and believing. And, and, it, and, it, and it, it is a fundamental, a fundamental change about who you are and what you desire. And Jesus said it must happen. It must, it's, it's a radical thing. The Apostle Paul speaks of the new birth and describes it this way, that we are new creatures in Christ Jesus. That we're changed. We have a, a new identity, a new way of thinking, a new way of acting, a new way of desiring things. That's what comes from the new birth. And so let's, let's kind of wrap up. How, how do we get there? The means to the new birth. If you're sitting here tonight, you say, Tim, I, I, I really, you kind of gone over my head. I don't, I, I'm not sure I get this. But I do understand something that I must be born again. But that's a serious matter. And, and I, I, if Jesus says that it's necessary, then I'm going to believe it's necessary. How, how do I get there? Well, each and every one of you has a Bible. And the Bible describes itself in multiple places as the imperishable seed of the new birth. How do you get a tomato plant? You plant a seed. And the gospel is the seed. You go to that gospel. You go to the gospel. And, and again, as you're reading it, I believe this. I believe this. Now God, help my unbelief. God, I believe this. I believe this. But help my unbelief. Okay? I mean, you go to it prayerfully. God, show me the reality of my own sinfulness. Bring to me life where there's death. Bring to me light where there's darkness. But you go prayerfully to that word. Paul wrote in Romans 10, 17, Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You need to hear this word. Peter, uh, in, when Jesus asked Peter, uh, Hey, you want to leave too? After a bunch of people left. And he said, listen, you have the word. You are the, you're the only one that has the words that leads to eternal life. And Jesus said, what? Well, they're, they're spirit. And so you come to the place where the wind is going to blow. Where's the wind going to blow? It's in the Word. It's in the Word. Now, you know, we talked about spiritual death. And you say, well, Pastor Tim, I'm, I'm spiritually dead. I can't, I can't. Again, it's a metaphor. 
You can pick up that Bible. You can decide whether or not you're going to go to the source of the new birth. You can make that decision. You must make that decision if you'll be born again. You're going to decide if you're going to listen to the, to the Word of God. If you're going to actually hear this voice of God speaking to you about the realities of your sin and the necessity that what? That you be born again. And so we come to God. We come in our humility and we pray. You know, we, a lot of language that I've heard in my life is, you know, you need to ask Jesus into your heart. Well, here's the thing. God must open your heart. That's exactly what the Bible says about it. That's the new birth. God must open your heart to receive this truth of the gospel, this life-giving, powerful reality of what Jesus Christ did for you. These words of eternal life, specifically, specifically the gospel. What did this Jesus do to save you from your sins? And you find one of the best summaries in the most quoted passage of Scripture in the world. Look at verse 16 of John 3. These are Jesus' own words. Very much in a way summarizes the gospel. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's good news. That's good news. And, and for you to fully understand what Jesus is saying there, you're going to have to see the kingdom. See the reality that there is this kingdom who has a king and he's real and he's powerful and he's vital and I want to enter that kingdom. And Jesus did what is necessary on the cross for me to enter that kingdom. That he died in my place. I deserved that cross. I deserved hell. And Jesus suffered and died in my place so that God would forgive my sins. And so you take that truth and you, you meditate on that truth and you think about that truth and you pray about that truth and say, God, I need what Jesus provided for me on the cross. You go to Him and you keep going to Him and you keep going to Him and you say to Him, I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving until you change me. I'm not leaving until... I need to be changed. I need to be born again. I need this life. I'm spiritually dead. I'm spiritually dark. I need this light. God, give it to me. I mean, there's really not... You know, I wish I could hand out three by five index cards and say, if you'll just sign that and give me your phone number and, uh, you know, uh, all of you are now born again. doesn't work that way. But I think you can pursue it. I think you can raise the sail of your life. And let me tell you something. You'll know when the wind of the Spirit starts moving you along. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't take that sail down. I wouldn't take that sail down. Until I know the wind of the Holy Spirit is carrying me along. Go to that Word and keep going to that Word. One of the things that I think is an appropriate prayer for all people in all places at all times, for Pastor Tim and for everybody else, is Lord, be merciful to me, the sinner. And I'm so thankful that you are that I was dead and you gave me life. I was disobedient and you caused me to desire obedience. I, 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 I lacked understanding. 
And you help me to understand. Hey, Tim, you need to be born again. You must be born again. And you can be born again through the power of the Word and the power of Spirit. So if I could say anything to you, go to that Scripture. Come, come to Pastor Josh. Come to me. Say, listen, okay, I'm, I'm digging in, Pastor Tim. I'm digging into this stuff. I, I'm, I'm not sure I fully understand it, but you've convinced me of this. The most important thing about my life is that I must be born again. Nothing else matters. That is the most important issue before any of us. You must be born again. So the, I guess the final question is this. Have you? Have you been born again? Do you have the sense of the Spirit of God carrying you along, bringing about daily repentance and faith? I, I'm often asked the question, well, how do I know if I really repented and believed? Because you're repenting and believing. That's the reality. How do I, how do I know that I've been born again? Because you repent and believe. I have to repent and believe every day. Because you know what? I do things so terrible sometimes that I, I'm amazed that Jesus saves a sinner like me. And I have to just trust. He saved me out of all people. Yeah. And so I will leave you with those thoughts. And if I can help you on the journey, I would love to. Uh, and I know Pastor Josh would love to, and I know any of these adults in this room uh, would love to, love, uh, love to help you. As a pastor, the, the thing that haunts you is that someone could sit in my care, under my voice, and not be born again. That's, that's the most pressing concern of my life, that God would use me and use this church that people would be born again so they can see and enter this kingdom. So let's pray as we leave here tonight. Bow your heads. And Father, we thank you for your truth. And admittedly, it's such a difficult subject. Uh, you, don't, you don't lay down the four, to four or five or eight or twelve steps to being born again. You tell us it's necessary, and you give us uh, the, uh, the information regarding the means. And then, again, you tell us that you died on the cross so that we could be born again. And so, Lord, my prayer for those gathered here is that each of these young people has experienced your grace. They've been born again. They've been raised from the dead. And, Lord, they see this kingdom, and they want to live for the kingdom and its king. God, that you're at work changing their, their, the way they think, the way they feel, the way they act. And Lord, that you give them great certainty, great assurance that you have so worked in their heart and minds. Lord, I pray that each person here would live a life of repentance and faith. And Lord, if they've never initially repented and believed and never been born again so that they can repent and believe, I pray that you would so work in their hearts here tonight, God, that they would come to know you as their Lord and Savior. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.